podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody. It is time for another one of our Blue Room Extra previews here on Usual Blue Room Feed. A couple of shows out so far this week with more to come. As we build up to Manchester United this weekend, should be a fascinating game, that one. But we've had Keep Talking, new show with myself and Rob Favourite. And we've had Subs Weekly, which I recorded earlier with Paddy Boyland from The Athletic. And joining us for the first time in the podcast, Joe Thomas, who is the Chief Everton writer for the Liverpool Echo. Uh, so here are two segments from those shows. The first bit is me and Rob talking about the significance, the obvious significance of back-to-back wins and the build of momentum for this team. And the second part is Joe and Paddy and myself talking a little bit about Dwight McNeil and his winning goal on Saturday and where the team can go forward from here. If you'd like to listen to either of these shows in full, the link for both is in the description. Wherever you listen to your podcast, alternatively, if you want to sign up, you can join us on Blue Room Extra at patreon.com slash the blue room extra costs around about a pound a week i think it's great value uh, hopefully we'll see you over there uh, hundreds have done so so far and the content is always coming certainly at this busy point in the campaign so it's patreon.com slash the blue room extra link is in the description for both podcasts hopefully we'll see you over there and hopefully you enjoy these two segments to get those wins on the board back to back not only given our, our current state of, of where potentially a lot of people thought we were going to be this season, but on the back of those four draws in a row in the Premier League as well, and taking that unbeaten run in the league to six, and taking the unbeaten mm. run overall to, to seven, it it just it just the sense of momentum is huge, isn't it? And I'm sure we'll get into the yeah. performance. And listen, I, I don't think it was a great performance by any means. I think there, there's, there's a lot of things that potentially are concerning, and maybe would have got punished for on a different day. But it's just getting that sense of momentum, isn't it? You know, we had it towards the back end of last season when when we managed to, to claw our way out of trouble. The start of the season, we didn't really have it because of the summer, because of the lack of transfer activity. And it was sort of a case of, I felt like, oh, we've missed the chance here to you know, really fly into this new season after what happened at the end of last season. We've let that momentum slip through our fingers. Mm-hmm. Now it feels like we've got a bit of that back again based on what's happened over the last few weeks. It, it does, and I, I would say to you as well, um, when I've talked in the past about, um, <laughs> I mean, it's not re- exactly some uh, revolutionary theory of mine that winning mul- multiple games in uh, <laughs> in sequence is a good thing. No, I but mean, it, obviously it, it, it is, it's, but... It's that, it's that sense of putting them back to back, isn't it? It's, it's that, yeah, you know, because yeah. it, it's, it's a hard league to do it in. It, it's a hard yes. league to win any football match, you know, and you sort of... Going into the game at the weekend, I was sort of thinking, do you know what? A draw would be fine. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't mind the draw, you know, away from home. Yeah. We've, not, we've not done very well away from home at all, basically ever in the Premier League. We've won one um, against West Ham. Going to United, you know, probably feeling quite good about beating them. A draw would be, be okay. So the sure. feeling of adding, adding that one to the next one is just something that we've not had a lot of. And when you've not had a lot of it, the sense of momentum and purpose is even greater. Sure, and... and- you know, how much was I probably saying something similar to that when we went down one nil, you know? Uh, So it was like, all right, you know, maybe I'd take a draw out of this. And, and then I found myself kind of thinking as the game went on, of course, I didn't have much time after that because all of the scoring action happened (laughs) within like a seven minute span in the second half, uh, including our two goals um, that came in very quick succession. But um yeah, like I find that the 
the conversation, like, I think the reason that I'm so, I, I, I'm so encouraged right now and I'm sure at times it can sound like maybe I'm, I'm not because and maybe that's because I'm, I'm still kind of in a wait and see mode, uh, not because I'm skeptical, but, but just because I, I, I want us to, to build on this. And so I view progress as something that is not always linear. And certainly with this club and with this squad, it's going to be kind of incremental and sometimes slowly and painfully. So, but, but we're definitely seeing it. And I think we'll go on to talk about the performance itself, which certainly had its, its, uh, its, its bumps along the road, but to me, that's actually in many ways the most encouraging aspect of this is that I think that, you know, we, we talked about West Ham being this very, this very kind of fork in the road sort of game in that, you know, how do we look at uh, the, the unbeaten run that we were on, the overall start to the season right before an international break? I think that if we win that game, it, it changes the way we look at it so much. We won that game. I felt like that did that then did kind of recast the way we we looked at the start of the season and then you go to Southampton and I felt while watching it even especially in that first half um where we just couldn't I mean we just couldn't do anything in the final third and yet it felt at times as I was watching it that we were a a, a very clear level better than 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 Southampton and I thought this is where I, I, these are the kinds of games that I think we've got to be able to say, you know, we got to go win these. And the fact that we won this game, um, you could maybe even argue the same about West Ham, especially in terms of just, you know, scraping out one goal, even though I think we're, we're going to probably be somewhat challenged to score a lot of goals this season. But I think the fact that we didn't play well and we won those two games, but especially uh, Southampton where, uh, there, there was a lot of sloppiness. Uh, there were things that we could have been punished for. We weren't. Um, you can view that as, you know, you can complain about it. I'm not going to complain about it at all. I note the fact that, that there are things that are there to improve, but I'm, I'm casting that in a very positive light, Matt, and that I think that we have been at a level for so long where the margins were so thin that we had to have everything go right and we had to play extremely well and no mistakes or what have you in order to scrape out a win. Now it's starting to feel like the expectation is becoming that we're going to go out and play at a certain level every, you know, week in and week out. And so therefore, you know, it doesn't mean we're, we're headed to Europe. I still kind of haven't changed my overall trajectory for, for this season. But what I do think is that winning is habitual and that habit is built through um, consistency, uh, consistency of of selection, uh, consistency of of you know certain habits, certain levels of performance by by your most important players. Uh, I think we've seen that theme already this season. In that, um, no one no one's been perfect, uh, but but we have had our most important players be consistent week in and week out, and and all of a sudden you look up and we have we're unbeaten in six in the league and you know on, on off the back of two straight wins 
um, as there was a, a very a famous sport uh, baseball movie called Major League, <laughs> where the I, or actually I think this may have been Major League Two, where the manager said, "All right, we won a game, we won a, we won today, we won a game yesterday. That's two games in a row." And he's like, "If we win tomorrow, that's called a winning streak." And so <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, I'm like, okay. Um, I, now, now, obviously the the challenge becomes, can you bring that back home to Goodison against United? And I'll tell you, Matt, it's, I would have said this even before the Manchester Derby. Like I, I am confident in this side to put forth consistent effort, especially at Goodison. Um, I I don't, there aren't other than scoring being something that's going to probably not be very free flowing. Let's admit it with this side. Um, there's not a lot of leakiness to this thing. Now there, there are two, we are giving up too many chances. We've been fortunate not to have paid the price for some of those, but Hey, fortune's part of this thing. I, I think again, if you want to look at it at the micro level, part of the part of what you look at as encouragement is that we, our defensive record is good, despite the fact that we've given up, probably definitely far too many chances to have such a good defensive record. And so to me, what I take out of that is that the longer this group plays together, the more they tighten up, the more cohesion there is um, that, that they're going to just continue to get better by playing together. And so um, there's a lot to be encouraged about. There are things that have to be worked on, but but you, you, you really couldn't ask for much more to, I, overall, I mean, I think some of those draws could have been wins, but I think just generally speaking, given the state of the squad, the state of how in flux things are, the state of just where we've come from since last, the end of last season, that this is a pretty, pretty solid start to the season. Yeah. And I think, you know, what you say now about giving up chances, I think there's a, a couple of things in that. And one is that, it's okay. You're allowed to have a very good goalkeeper, aren't you? And I think that's that's something that people have sort of overlooked in that. Well, Everton are, Everton are giving up very you know, good goalkeeper. Yes, uh, yeah. Everton are giving up all these chances, which means that they should be maybe a bit lower down the league than they are. Well, you know, there's nothing in the rules about not having a, a goalkeeper who who saves shots and, and and does really good things, which Jordan Pickford and and you know, in fairness, in the last game, Asmir Begovic did. This is mm-hmm. their great credit. So there's nothing wrong with that. And I mean, the other thing as well is that, you know, I think it's been maybe overlooked quite a lot how new a team this is in regards to it all being put together. And I think I said Mm. this, you know, after the West Ham game in in the sense of you look at the players that that started that game and none of the back four were at the football club um, last year. You know, they all signed from January or or the summer. Yeah. You know, Anana and Idrissa Gay arrived this summer. Awobi only started playing central midfield a bit last season, but largely played as, as a right wing back. You know, Mope is, is still very new to all this. McNeil is an, a new signing as well. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is still a, a new team. And while they're, they're, they're part of the side, which you, know, you look at Tarkovsky and Cody and you sort of feel familiar with them already, probably because you've been watching them play in the Premier League for so long that you kind of know what they're about. But as a, as a duo and playing in, in this system and playing for Everton, it's, it's all still very new. And I mean, that that was sort of my main takeaway from, from the weekend is that there were good aspects, I think, about maybe not so much the, the front three, because, you know, I think they were all sort of in and out the game. There wasn't really much linking up between them. It was a bit bit scattergun at times. But I think that that, that back four and the 
midfield. I think there were there were good signs from from both aspects of them, but I think there were also signs that you know this is still new and this is still players that are are learning about each other. And you know, I think I think the the perfect example of that is is the goal we concede, isn't it? Where Adrisige gets on the ball, he looks forward, plays a pass to Anana, and Anana isn't looking where the ball is, and it's quite a loose pass, and, and it gets turned over, and then we're a bit out of shape, and, and we concede the goal, and it's it's sort of a case of well, you know, that's annoying and, and it's frustrating. And they should be doing better in that situation. But these are lads who have played, what, three games together? Adrissigay, you know, that, that was his third appearance for Everton since, since he came back. And Arna started probably his fifth game mm-hmm. in the Premier League there. And, you know, the, these these things are, are still going to take time. You know, look at look at that. Look at the defence this season, mate, and the, the changes we've had there already. You know, Yerry Mean has played matches. Michael Keane's played minutes. Holgate's played minutes. Patterson's played minutes. None of them were in the side at the weekend. We brought in Seamus Coleman from out of, of out of nowhere, who did a pretty decent job, all things considered. But again, it was another little tweak in in a defence that has been constantly shifting around this season. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you've got to expect that there's going to be rustiness and there's going to be breakdowns in communication at times. And that's probably why I think certainly when Southampton went for it at the weekend and really pinned us back, that there were times where the team looked like it was creaking. And we didn't really know how to, to get through their press. We didn't know how to get up the pitch and, and hold the ball. And it was just a little reminder for me that, yeah, th- this, is, this is still in its infancy. These players are still going to take time to build up relationships as much as there are positive signs there. And what you want in that situation is you want heart, you want spirit, you want determination, all, the, all those intangibles that sure. people put different stock in. But when you've got someone like Cody, who is clearly a great organiser and a great leader, when you've got someone like Tarkovsky who feels a bit more lead by example kind of character than the, the shelter that Connor Cody is, when you've got people like Coleman, Awobi, lads who are willing to work hard and scrap and battle and show heart, which I think these players have done in the main since Frank Lampard came in, then that's all you can ask for. And you just sort of hope that the rest of it, the fluency, the communication, you know, the. I liked Dwight McNeil's performance even before the goal. I thought he battled hard in the first half. And, you know, we, I think we've seen, we saw in the, the early games of the season what he can do defensively. That's not what he's there for, but the way in which Everton has started the season with injuries and with the transfer window seeping so late into it, it has been patched up a little bit. Uh, and, you know, obviously he's clearly someone who has a lot of heart and determination. Uh, in, in the first half, one of the things that was quite interesting was Damari Gray started taking the corners from Everton's right-hand side. And about halfway through, Everton switched to to Dwight McNeil taking him in with, with his left foot and Everton looked so much more threatening after that. You know, it's, it's, they got some real predators in the box for, you know, in, in terms of their height and their size, obviously missing Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but, you know, Everton should be scoring from set pieces uh, or they should at least be more threatening from set pieces than they have been this season. And they immediately did once you had someone with McNeil's quality on, on the, you know, taking them. But obviously it was a, it was a big moment for him and, I think he probably needed that for his own confidence because, you know, he's seen other signings come in. He's seen the likes of Gray and Gordon have good starts. He's seen Mope come in, who is a player that probably, we probably operates in similar areas of the pitch to where Dwight McNeil would like to be as well, which is probably problematic for him. But, you know, he said that, I spoke to him after the game and he, he said that the players and Frank Lampard had just given him belief so that when he found out in the morning of the game that he was going to be playing, he wasn't there full of nerves. He was there just grateful for the opportunity. And particularly in the second half, particularly once he got that goal, 
you know, you, you kind of felt it maybe come out of his shell a little bit more. It was, you know, it was a brilliant goal. We, we know that. Um, you asked him which he thought was better, was his first touch or, or his strike. And, and he's, he's very much of the opinion that his first touch was better than his actual finish. Because... I read that. And I, I actually thought the touch was a, a little bit loose. I think it, I, I, when, in real time, I thought it's gone a bit further away from him than he would have realised there. So it's yeah. quite interesting that you thought it was a really good save. Yeah, he was He was saying, that obviously, you don't get the finish without setting it up with the first touch in the first place. And obviously, you know, that's what that first touch enabled him to do. And then there was also, there was a moment a bit later when it was still 2-1, when when McNeil put um, Damari Gray through on goal. Um, and watching it in real time, it looked, like the ch- it looked like the chance had gone. He had two players on him. He didn't play the ball first time. And, and you're almost there already wincing, thinking, oh, that was the ball. But he waited, he waited. And he, the, the ball that eventually came through was so precise. You know, it was, it was like it was perfect. And, and Gray really should have scored and it should have been 3-1. And, you know, everyone has a much calmer last 20 minutes. They didn't. And you kind of almost got a glimpse as to probably the situation that he had at Burnley maybe last season. Because when he signed, so many people were reeling out that stat of only one assist. But when you looked at his numbers, you saw that actually created quite a lot of chances and you forget for, for, for a creative midfielder, for attacking midfielder, you know, so much of their numbers relies on other people finishing off the chances that they create. Sometimes you can get a warped picture as to where they actually are. So, you know, McNeil was unlucky not to come away with a goal and an assist from that game, which obviously would have boosted his numbers, but you know, he'll, he'll take a lot of positives from that and you know, he deserves it. He seems, he seems like a night. I mean, certainly we, you know, like me and Paddy, we only get a glimpse at these players, you know, and normally, you know, the ones that are given, you, you get the opportunity to speak to are the ones that are in the best form at the moment. So it's easy yeah. for them to be happy and optimistic, but he just seems like a good person, like a nice person. You kind of pleased for him speaking after on a, on a personal level, as well as obviously, you know, what it means for Everton, if he could, if he can bring some magic. But, you know, the other thing that I think, and, and this extends to to Gordon and Gray, and to a certain extent, it will be as well so far so far this season. You also can't underestimate the impact of not having Dominic Calvert-Lewin there for them to supply for, not just supply efforts to, but also for them to play off as he's winning headers and scraps and knockdowns and things like that. You know, those type of players, obviously, you know, someone like, all, all three of them are, are very capable of you know, scoring great goals and, and things like that, but it would also help them if they had a target man, a proper finisher, a roof, you know, clinical ruthless predator in the box to put away some of the chances and to help play off and to help cause a little bit of carnage that creates a little bit more space for them. And they haven't yet had that this season. So I think that also needs to kind of be borne in mind as the context for when you're looking at how some of those players have started. And you know, even though with McNeil's goal, you can now probably look at all Gray scored a couple and Gordon scored a couple. And you can say at the first eight, you, you know, Fat Lampard's probably pretty happy with that. I, I kind of disagree with you on, on the point, Matt, about McNeil on the left. I think actually he spent a lot of time there for Burnley and it was only when he went to the right last season that he started to pick up a bit of form. Last season was really difficult for him and I think the confidence issues he's had at the start of this season have almost been a legacy of what, what's happened there. But I go back to the goal he scored at Goodison for Burnley during lockdown where he picks up that space, kind of the right half space, if you want to use that term, cuts inside. And admittedly, it's against Alan and Tom Davis, so it's not like you're having to burst past kind of mobile athletic midfielders. But it's, it's, it's a great piece of intuitive play, and he ends up curling the ball into the far corner. That's what he started to do again 
or start to get closer to doing for Burnley at the end of last season. Looking at his goal there and looking at the one he scored for Everton on Saturday, he strikes the ball so well that there's no reason why he shouldn't be scoring six, seven, eight goals in the Premier League each season. He's a really clean striker of the ball. And I think in time, he'll be a really important asset for Everton from set pieces, from wide areas, particularly when Calvert-Lewin's back, as Joe suggests. But there's been an issue there. There's clearly an issue there because he scored one goal um, and he's, he's not had a history of, of, of scoring with regularity. I think for me, the context and the background is absolutely essential here. It's absolutely vital. I think he basically got with the rest of that Burnley team to the lowest ebb, to saturation point. And whereas some are a bit more experienced and can battle through and come back quickly, the other side, like a Tarkovsky or a Ben Mee, I think for McNeil, it's taken a little bit more time. And one of the things that's been really apparent to me when you speak to him, when you see him in interviews, is he's quite a shy, he's quite a timid, introverted character. He's not kind of effervescent. He's not a Damari Gray or an Amadou Anana. It's really, it's, it's immediate. The, the, the impression is immediate whenever Anana walks into a room. And I know that's something that's kind of impressed Everton as well at, at every stage in the process with him. McNeil is a little bit more timid. And I think it will take more. He's, he's quite clearly at this stage a confidence player. So we can't underestimate how important that goal was for him on Saturday. So, so let's see how he develops from here. I think, the, as, as I was suggesting there, I, I think Gray and Gordon potentially in certain scenarios is, is, is probably not the way to go for Everton in those wide areas. Not if, you're not, if you've not got vast amounts of space, uh, space in behind to, to, to kind of penetrate the opposition. I think what, what they're going to need to do is they're going to need to have more guard, they're going to need to have a Wobi picking up pockets, you're going to need to have somebody like Dwight McNeil offering a different element, whether it's his crossing, whether it's his shooting from range, his passing, because I think he's probably the only one out of the three of them that plays the kind of pass we saw to Gray with any kind of regularity. And if we're talking about a team that's not creative, as is the case with Everton right now, it just is the case with everything right now. Then you need every ounce of that that you can get. So I think he's a useful option. Like Joe, I've valued his off-the-ball work. I mean, his numbers against Leeds in particular were just off the charts. I think it was something like 48 pressures and over half of them came in the defensive third. So he was effectively just tasked with being that second man next to Nathan Patterson making sure that Everton was solid defensively. He'll give you all that, as you would expect from somebody who has spent the bulk of his career under Sean Dyche. But I think there are more things to unlock in the final third. Hopefully the goal gives him the confidence boost. I think that's something I'm going to have to watch. We're going to have to see how his confidence is, how, how he's being managed. Um, but hopefully as well, the, 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 as the team progresses, starts to get more of the ball and he, he starts to come into his own. I, I, I quite like him. I have no doubts over Dwight McNeil's ability beyond maybe the lack of absolute dynamite pace. There are other question marks that are still to be resolved. Yeah, yeah I think like you mentioned that defensively, like it feels like he never stops running, but he doesn't run that quickly. If you know what I mean? Like he's always sort of moving and getting around the pitch, but he's not a sprinter, is he? He's not no, a sprinter. No, if you lined all the Everton squad up in a race, had a race over 100 meters, he would be middling at best. Damari Gray would be right at the front. Um, Gordon would be DCL. Godfrey. Oh, thank Godfrey would win. Come on, there's, there's your top four. Probably, yeah. I think it's Godfrey and Gordon. Uh, Godfrey and DCL, sorry, with Gordon next. Um, it won't be a be up there, but maybe not right at the top. Uh, Dwight McNeil would not be up there. 
Well, he's more of your fifteen hundred meter. I reckon he beats everybody in that. It will be it being unbelievable eight hundred meter. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, just on, on, the, on him playing on the right, it just it just seems like he takes so long to get the ball onto his left foot. Sometimes the this was the moments on a little bit, and I don't know if that you know we've only seen this lad play what eight times. Yeah. So we're still learning about him. We're still trying to figure out these little nuances in his game and you know yeah. it's the same with everybody in this team isn't it almost it, it's such a new squad and a new set of players so we'll see how it goes but he's got that moment now at least you know he's had you've seen new players coming in like Mope like Cody etc etc we've all had those early moments and now he's had it and it's where we can kick on from it Sports Social Podcast Network <laughs> 